Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. For those of you watching, I have to show off my awesome Michigan sweatshirt. Go blue. Sorry, Matt. I mean, I just, how... Could I not after that epic victory? We have a guest coming on later in the show. Don't worry, Matt. You'll be gone by then, so we, you won't be subject to this. But Good. to break down the epic win over Ohio State and look ahead. But today, co-host of the Sims Complete Podcast, Matt Sims. Welcome back to the show. We're going to talk a little Philly Niners. Yeah, and I just want to say that I'm totally picking Iowa over Michigan wow. uh, this weekend. And uh, you, do you want me to just stop the pod think, right now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's it. You're out of here. No rude. more opportunities. <laughs> yeah. I say Iowa by by 28. You know, I mean, easy, easy. No, I'm kidding. Well, I would <laughs> be crazy if I thought that. If that I said that legitimately, then you would know everyone listening, you yourself, that I am actually. Nowhere near uh, any good at, at what I claim to be as an analyst. <laughs> yeah, I have. I really would have to stop the show. And I That's won't right, yeah. tell you the predictable picks because this will come out Friday and predictable picks is going to go up Saturday, Saturday morning. So I don't want to give anything away. But right. thus far, no one in predictable picks has picked what you just picked. Yeah. Um, but I have yet to record with the Iowa person. So we'll see. But I don't think he's going to pick that either. Yeah, but um, no, no. Well, it's funny, actually, last week on the show, I had a guest, an Ohio State guy, and we previewed the game, and he made a comment about covering up the deficiencies of J.J. McCarthy, and I made a very similar noise to the one I just made with you. I was like, <gasps> and again, was about ready to just call the whole thing off. How dare there. you? <laughs> no, how dare you? There are no deficiencies of J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. He is perfect. But again, we're here to talk Phillies Niners, rematch of the yeah. NFC Championship game, Gonna be a really good game, I think. There's weather. I mean, it has like all the makings, all the drama. 70% chance of rain, at least on Wednesday when we're recording. 70% chance of rain. 49ers go back to Philly. Brock Purdy going back to where they took his elbow. All of the things. 49ers, you know, seem to have had a resurgence since the three game skid, have yet to win a grimy game. And I want to talk more about that. But initial thoughts, Matt, what are you most excited for in this one? Man, there's no perfect way for me to answer that. I just, from what I've been watching the past few weeks with the Eagles, the way that the 49ers have bounced back since the bye week, you know, we're just seeing two teams that we could absolutely see playing for a, a Super Bowl and mm -hmm. two representatives that, you know, East Coast, West Coast, man. I mean, Sirianni, Shanahan, like just the personalities on the sideline between the lines. There's so many good characters to this football game. The drama is going to be fantastic. I don't care what anybody says. It's not about last year. All Yeah, whatever. As soon as these two teams get on the field, a lot of that bad blood will be made very evident very quickly. So I expect a good, old-fashioned, hard-hitting football game with two storied franchises in the NFL. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played from MMA to international soccer. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. When you were talking, there were two things I thought. I thought we should have like the Rocky music going kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then you said bad bloods. And I was like, well, now we need Taylor Swift to come in. And oh, God. Oh, I, I didn't even know that I was doing that pun. That's, yeah. That's well, terrible. Well, you're welcome for telling you. And you yeah. all are welcome. Because now that song is going to be in everybody's head for the next several days. <laughs> but it, it, everything you said is correct. And you're right. It's no matter what they say, there's no way for last year not to come into play. And I think the 49ers felt, and rightly so, they didn't really have a chance. I mean, 
they lost their quarterback on like the second offensive play of the game. And that was, that was it. That really was the end of the game for them. So all the things that they had planned to do, all of the schemes, all of the plays, all of the things like never really got to happen. So they get another chance. It will not erase the fact if they went on Sunday, it doesn't erase the fact that they lost the championship game. However, it does put them in a very good position to get to this year's NFC championship game and puts them in a good position to potentially have home field advantage. They need a little help, but this game is going to be huge for that. So let's start by talking about, let's talk a little bit about the 49ers offense. You have Brock Purdy, who's playing really high level of football. And I know everybody wants to talk about if he's really elite in this. Who cares? He's playing really, really well on this team, leading them to victory. Who really cares? It doesn't matter. So you have him on the one hand. You obviously have Christian McCaffrey, who's Christian McCaffrey. You have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, so many offensive weapons on this team. But let's talk about this 49ers run game. If it is indeed going to rain, that's going to be important. The Philly, the Phillies, not the Phillies, the Eagles. I've done that by like three or three or four times this week. I've called them the Phillies. Uh, no, I'd love to see the 49ers play the Phillies. I think that would be musty TV. Yeah, right. But the Eagles defense is really stout up the middle. So for the 49ers, they're going to want to go around the edges, which again is not groundbreaking analysis, but if if you look at it, these are things to look at. How do you see kind of the offensive weaponry, not to be super dramatic, playing out and getting moved around the field? A lot of sorcery today. A lot of sorcery. You guys will watch. You'll see. (laughs) Got the the Ricky Bobby. I'm not sure what to do with my hands today, but you're (laughs) you're right though. It's, there's going to be a lot of interesting things to to notice about this game plan and, and what Kyle does to minimize what the obvious strength is for this Philadelphia Eagles defense is their mm-hmm. defensive line. You know, how do we take pressure off of our quarterback by mm-hmm. winning at the line of scrimmage? These are points that I've made to you in the past too, where Kyle loves to make the game sideline to sideline to make defenses run and cover ground more. Even if it is for a three or a four yard game, he mm-hmm. goes, Hey, we started in the middle of the field. And that linebacker or defensive end or defensive tackle is outside the numbers. So they're covering more ground than you think. It's just lateral, so you don't really notice it as much. And that's something that I really am interested in. I think that the two-headed monster in the backfield will be Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. I would not Mm -hmm. be surprised if Debo is used in a little bit more of a traditional running back sense in this game just because of his added weight and physical presence in their football run game. It'll also give them a little bit more flexibility with some of their short passing game and some of their boots and nakeds to where maybe they can get Brock Purdy outside the pocket on some of these throws early in the football game too. So it's going to be very interesting how the weather plays a factor in this. We've seen Brock, you know, there's no doubt he struggled in Cleveland when Mm -hmm. it was, uh, you know, not so pretty there in the first half. Now it cleared up. He started to get a little better as the game went, but there was just, you know, too little too late in that matchup. You saw how well Josh uh, Allen performed in the rain a week ago against Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and how that did not affect him at all. Josh Mm -hmm. Allen, though, like Jalen Hurts, is kind of a one-of-one physical talent that way. So Brock will have to show us, And, you know, even the Eagles defense, can you beat us throwing the football, you know, down the field a little bit more consistently with the conditions that the way that they are? And I think a big part of that will be Kyle establishing the run game, misdirection stuff, getting him easy throws early to build his confidence so that he can pull the trigger late in the football game when it matters the most. Because if the weather is rough, uh, I'll be curious to see how aggressive they are in the passing game. And when he pulls that trigger, one would assume that it very well may go to Brandon Ayuk. And I want to talk a little bit about yes. their chemistry because their chemistry, it's its for real. I mean, it really is. It gets a very real thing. We saw it in training camp. We've seen it throughout the year. And they have a thing there. Brock trusts him implicitly. And Brandon Ayuk trusts Brock implicitly. He Brock knows if he throws it, Brandon's going to catch it. And Brandon knows if he runs his route, Brock's going to get it to him. So I'd love to just know from a quarterback's perspective, what is it like to have that chemistry with the receiver and just have such trust in someone to know? It's like the meme, like, F it, Jamar's out there somewhere. But I, I don't <laughs> think it's, quite, it's not quite that. But for Brock, it kind of is like, Brandon's going to catch it. And he's thrown perfect perfect balls. But what is that like to have that chemistry? I I guess the best way that I could describe it for just the fans at home would be, you know, your best friend, your spouse, whoever it is, you know, when you both see something and you're like, hey, 
you know, and you had that thought and you then you share and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Like that's kind of that power that you have, you know, with some of your teammates when you develop mm-hmm. that rapport with them. And, and I'm so happy about their the relationship together off and on the field from what mm-hmm. I hear because, you know, Brandon Ayuk, I've shared with you before, I think he is just one of the most underrated receivers in the mm-hmm. NFL. He's absolutely a dynamic route runner. Um, and, and Kyle's offense is, is not the easiest by any means for receivers. You know, the one thing that we have to be a little bit more aware of with this football game, Philadelphia Eagles do a lot defensively. They run a lot of different schemes. They switch it up all the time. Cover zero, cover two, quarters, man, everything. They do a little bit of everything. I expect them to take away the middle of the field very aggressively in this game. Because mm-hmm. if you watch the San Francisco 49ers a lot, a lot of their passing kind of happens towards the middle of the field. And if the conditions are rough, I would say let's make the middle of the field as muddy as we possibly can for mm-hmm. the thrower and force him to throw it outside in the numbers as much as possible, which will allow them you know, to, I think, have a little bit more flexibility to stop the run and, and really kind of force Kyle and the offense and Brock to to really be aggressive with throwing when they do because some of those over the middle of throws they do a great job of getting people wide open so look to see that kind of matchup of how the defense can can cloud the middle of the field as much as possible against them so let's talk a little eagles offense 49ers defense obviously jalen hurts we saw it at the end of that game against buffalo like in some ways he feels unstoppable of course he is because everyone is stoppable but he feels somewhat unstoppable and the thing with the eagles that i get in this argument i will say i'll use a nice word for the people on twitter x who get mad at me about this all the time but the eagles are a good football team because you know what good football football teams do is they find ways to win so they may play badly in the first second quarter they may have a bad few series in the third but at the end of the day they find ways to win football games. And we've seen that do that the last couple of weeks. So Monday night against the Chiefs, we saw it Sunday in overtime against the Bills. Jalen Hurts runs in the game-winning touchdown. But this Eagles offense is not just Jalen Hurts. He's actually is a huge part of the run game, but it's not just Jalen Hurts. Obviously, you have A.J. Brown. You have Devonta Smith. You have the tush push, which is basically unstoppable. And it's the best it's, play in football. It's the best play in football. And in all seriousness, the 49ers want to keep them in second to medium, third to medium situations or or long because it's pretty much indefensible. I think Jason Kelsey may be the most underrated offensive weapon they have on that team because of the success of this tush push. And it's become, yeah. you know, we laugh about it, but it's it's pretty incredible. So when you look at this Philadelphia offense against this 49ers defense, what are the challenges? And one of the things I'm really looking at, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, is going to be a corner because we've seen Ambry Thomas kind of come alive the last three weeks. But now he's, now we've got some pretty epic wide receivers on the other end. And this is a test to see if it's, if it's for real or not and if the secondary can compete. Yeah, well, it starts really for Jalen Hurts and really the San Francisco 49ers defense. Can you keep him within the pocket? Can you mm-hmm. keep him a traditional drop-back quarterback as much as you possibly can in that rush lane opportunity? You know, and, and when you do force him to run, make him run in the middle of that defense as much as possible. And let mm-hmm. guys like Fred Warner and Greenlaw, you know, get after him as much as you can. When he gets outside the pocket, and this is something that the Philadelphia Eagles do, I think, better than anybody. It's not a coincidence. Their tackles do a great job when they see different stunts at the line of scrimmage by different defensive lines. They do a great job of just collapsing all of them into a little pile in the middle of the field. And that Mm -hmm. gives Jalen just great vision to get outside the tackle box and to be able to create those extra plays outside. That's what they did against the Buffalo Bills so effectively there in the second half. So that'll be a big play uh, just from the standpoint of can you collapse the pocket evenly around Jalen Hurts consistently? Because when you do that, you know, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Those are the most difficult ways to play the position when people are kind of collapsing all around you simultaneously and taking away your lanes of running and moving in the pocket. I think that the 49ers are more than capable of doing that. A year ago, the 49ers matched up extremely well against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles skill group. Now, the thing is, I think that, you know, Devontae Smith is a much improved player from a year ago. Mm-hmm. And also, I do think that the Philadelphia Eagles will try to create a few more plays, a few more 
uh, you know, screens or some sort of, you know, misdirection plays in the passing game to get some easy completions early to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith in that regard to try to create separation because I feel like the 49ers did a, do, did, did a good job of getting up to the line of scrimmage, forcing reroute situations against the Eagles, and creating very difficult one-on-one situations, which, again, if the weather is tough, will be difficult to complete consistently if the weather is that bad. It's so interesting when I think about that NFC Championship game, just because it feels like, yes, there are things they did well, but it was just so done so early that we really, like I said at the beginning, we never really saw the game plan. And now I think we get the matchup that everybody has been looking for. Something just to keep an eye on. Now, granted, we're recording this on Wednesday. So when you guys listen to this on Friday, there'll be a little bit, we'll have a little more information. But on Wednesday, Eric Armstead did not practice with a foot injury. And I think when we talk about that defensive line, if that is serious as the week goes on, if they're maybe without Eric Armstead again, we'll see what happens as the week goes on. That is certainly something to keep an eye on. And something that could be somewhat concerning it definitely is it definitely is because you just want that even rotation of just guys that are healthy and and ready Mm -hmm. to go right in that second round you know especially uh late in this football game against what is arguably probably the best offensive line in football you know Mm -hmm. led by kelsey and you know the question that i have really for the san francisco 49ers coaching staff is is where will they you know put the majority of their chips with this game plan because mm-hmm. are they going to rely heavily on let's leave our guys in one-on-one situations on the outside, knowing that they only run these few, you know, simple schemes in the passing offense and then allowing our linebackers and defensive line to really focus on, and even our safeties at times to focus on stopping the run and controlling the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage consistently, you know? So that's where I, I find this to be a difficult matchup really for any team when you play the Philadelphia Eagles. Cause when you say let's play coverage, then you have only five or six guys in the box, you know, sometimes five just because mm-hmm. of how talented the, uh, the the skill guys are for the Philadelphia Eagles. You leave, you know, Kelsey, Mylotta, and all those guys such a tremendous advantage in that run game with Jalen Hurts' ability to run the quarterback draw, which they've become famous for recently. And mm-hmm. if you give them a lot of short uh, third down situations, that's where that Philly push comes into play. And that's where you feel that that body punch Rocky Balboa type of feeling when you play certain teams. So would you say, oh, I'm going to say this and we'll see if you agree with me. I would say <laughs> the, X, the X factor for the Philadelphia Eagles is, in this game is the offensive line. I think they. It, it's always the X factor, right? When you mm-hmm. play this football team, it really mm-hmm. is. Because even when you do win a few of their battles, you know, against them, they ultimately seem to always win the war. And it always yeah. seems that no matter what happens late in the football game, you know, Jalen Hurts is protected well in crucial situations. And if you play soft zone coverage, he's going to stand back there. He's going to make a decision. He's going to play careful. He's going to be able to scramble and make plays outside the pocket. So that will really be the biggest thing is can the San Francisco 49ers win that physical battle on first and second down more yeah. often than not? And not just in the first half, but in the second half, most importantly. Definitely, most importantly, and that's the thing with the Eagles. I mean, they're really, it's not, it, it sounds so cliche, but it's really, it's not over till it's over. I mean, they no doubt. find a way. So then I guess the question is, who do you think is the X factor for San Francisco? Uh, on offense or defense? You get to pick. It can be either. Okay. Uh, so on offense, I think it's Debo Samuel. Uh, I okay. really do. You know, for the reasons I said earlier, just the physical mm-hmm. nature of his running ability and the versatility as far as just the run and the pass for them. I think he is going to be the X factor for him. Uh, on the defensive side of the football, you know, really, honestly, it's Chase Young. I yeah. think it's got to be, you know, this is why you traded for him. This mm-hmm. is why now he's got to be one of the reasons why you're over that next level. You get over that hump of like, we're a really good defensive line, but mm-hmm. now like, can you be an outstanding defensive line? So Chase Young, his ability to, again, be opposite of Bosa, and then to be able to, you know, hopefully confine Jalen Hurts and, and try to limit some of those scrambles or those extended plays that happen for five or six seconds where it's almost impossible to cover their talented receivers on the back end. This game is going to tell us a lot because at this point, these teams are who they are and they are what they are. Yeah. And can San Francisco go over the hump? This says a lot. This game says a lot to me about the 49ers because, like I said at the beginning, all of their wins have been pretty 
blowout wins for the most part. Most of these wins have been by a lot of points. They have not been able to, and I keep saying it week after week, but Fred Warner said it and he's right. They've never won the grimy games. He said it weeks ago and they've come back and they've again have these these big wins, but can they win a game like this? They're not going to blow out the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. They're just not, unless something very crazy happens. That's not going to happen. So can they do this on the road? We've seen them the last two years, last year on the road against the Bears. It was a monsoon. It was like a disaster. and was was terrible, yeah. The whole thing, but they lost that game. They lost the game in Cleveland. This is a really big test for this team, and even if, you know, if they win it, we talked in the beginning, if they win it and they get a little help, maybe they get home field advantage. But where they are right now, they're not going to have home field advantage. This game is a real test of what it's going to be like in January and their hopes in February. So it, it's a big one. I don't have a read on it yet in terms of who I think is going to win. And I know I'm talking with my hands a lot again, but I, I, don't, I don't have a read yet. I don't have a sense. Someone asked me today and I said, I just at this point, don't have a sense. And I think part of it is because you have such two such good teams and two such well-matched teams and well-coached teams that it ultimately, of course, is going to come down to who can handle the weather better, who doesn't make mistakes, and who can really play their game. And I don't think we have any idea who that's going to be until come, until come Sunday at 425 Eastern, 125 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> and, and that's where it's, it's really interesting, too. It this could be a game where it's like the first of 21 wins. If the weather is, you know, potentially as bad as they're kind of claiming mm-hmm. it to be right now. Now we all know how, uh, you know, consistent weather people are in, in this yeah. world, but um, you know, but I think that will make the game a little bit more fun and interesting in, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, the other thing I think, you know, just for fans to keep in mind, just think back to the game that Philadelphia lost. Everyone kind of forgets. They lost to Zach Wilson in the New York jets and <laughs> Jeff Ulbrich you know, is a defensive coordinator that Kyle is very familiar with with their days in Atlanta uh, and, and just and in San Francisco as well with Sala. And I mm-hmm. think that they both kind of have that same philosophy as far as how to slow down this Philadelphia uh, offense to some degree. And they did a great job of it with their crew of keeping him confined and making sure that he didn't get out and make all those extra plays outside the pocket. They seem Mm -hmm. to really neutralize the run game and its consistency at times. So I I look for them to kind of take pieces of that playbook and and try to apply it to their skill group that same way. You know, and really to me, you know, offensively, it's just all going to be about, you know, if the weather is bad, can Brock still be effective throwing the football aggressively at times when they need to? Because they will not be able to push the Philadelphia Eagles uh, offense, I mean, defense around you know, in a physical nature the entire game. So there really does have to be that balance. That was the advantage they thought they had a year ago before he got hurt. And Mm -hmm. that'll be the advantage that they need to have this weekend again to get the victory. And because we've talked about weather, I'm sure it'll be like 58 degrees and sunny in a beautiful day <laughs> yeah. in Philadelphia. And Which will be more more fun probably for us to watch anyway. Yeah. 100% and much more fun for those of us covering the game in person. So we'll see if we can manifest <laughs> right. it out there with my sorcery hands. Matt, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, Sims Complete uh, on YouTube, Spotify, app, whatever you, wherever you find your podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Sims Complete with my father, Big Phil and uh, talking ball about the game that we love. And uh, thank you again, Tracy, for having me on. And uh, go go Hawkeyes. Go Blue. <laughs> and we'll have to edit that. that go go Hawkeyes. Right, yeah, yeah, gonna... But for those of you that cut are Michigan off. fans, yeah, cut, them, cut them off. Those of you that are Michigan fans, stay on because we have Raj from Engo, M Go Blog on, and we are going to talk about Michigan's epic victory and look ahead to, for them to beat the Hawkeyes. So there you go. Matt, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk next week. Thank you. You too. Take care. All right, Raj, welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. I don't know about you. I am still basking in the glory of that epic victory over the Ohio State Buckeyes. I was really incredible. I was there. I cried. I will not cry to you. Rod Moore caught that interception. (laughs) I will not lie to you, not cry. Or I might cry to you, but I also won't lie to you. Rod Moore caught that interception. I got teary. I turned to my dad and I said, they're going to win it. They're going to win the game. And I jumped up and down and it was beyond exciting. Uh, Incredible atmosphere. But we have been talking on Twitter Twitter for the last several weeks since the beginning of the, are we going to call it the Connor Stallions era? (laughs) 
Yeah, I would say I would say the Color Stallions <laughs> era. I'd say Steingate, whatever kind of euphemism you want for a very low level staffer who probably did you know something very lightly culpable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think everybody can accept that. It's just a matter of who knew and when. And it seems like we'll see as time goes on, but it feels like no one really knew, which yeah makes me feel better <laughs> about all of it. It does. It does. And uh, let me just say thank you so much for for having me on. And uh, I think I was right there with you. I was pretty much on the uh, verge of tears as well when Rodmore caught that interception. My <laughs> stomach was in knots. I was a nervous mess. At one point, I was just lying prone on the floor in front of my TV, just not even <laughs> looking at the TV. Um, but it's surreal. And it's been awesome. This These last few days, just basking in the glory of the win, just marinating in it, you know, just three in a row. What a feeling. Um, especially in light of everything that's been going on around the program. It's just kind of this sweet combination of relief, catharsis, and just jubilance. So it's been, it's been fantastic. And it felt so important for them to win it this year because had they not, there was going to be, they only won it because they sold the signs in the previous years. You know, they were just blow up all the things and it was so important that they wanted and and thinking about with everything starting the program we look back at the last three games penn state maryland and ohio state it's incredible and so much credit obviously so much credit goes to sharon moore the man is an absolute legend just legend I, jim harbaugh is right michigan legend i'm also starting to think jim harbaugh reads my tweets because after <laughs> I tweeted that Sharon Moore is a legend. And then next thing you know, Jim Harbaugh's in his Monday press conference saying Sharon Moore is a legend. Uh, so, but Jim Harbaugh can can read my tweets and use them. I don't mind. He's the best. But the players, I mean, honestly, for these kids to block out all the noise and just do what they need to do, that was incredible to me. Totally. And you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, it really was the coaches and the players marching to this victory. And, mm-hmm. you know, special shout out to Sharon Moore. He got thrust into an incredibly difficult situation. And can you imagine, like, coming into the the meaty end of the schedule capped with one of the greatest rivalry games in all of sports? And he delivered. I mean, mm-hmm. the man was coaching aggressively and confidently, going mm-hmm. for multiple fourth downs, converting three for three, putting in you know, backup quarterback and Alex Orgy, who had seen mm-hmm. very limited playing time all season for a wild cat run that was super pivotal at the time. Um, and yeah, just the, the halfback pass. Uh, he, Trone Moore was in his bag. He delivered. <laughs> and it was in stark contrast to the other side of the, of the, of the field on sideline where, where Ryan Day, you know, every time the camera would pan to Ryan Day, he looked like a nervous mess, super anxious, and it showed in his play calling. They passed up a fourth and one near midfield. They passed mm-hmm. up another fourth and short at the end of the half to settle for like a 52-yard field goal with a kicker who, you know, hadn't kicked anything longer than 47 all year. Mm-hmm. And so it really was kind of like a tale of two sidelines. And I swear, I'm like, just when the camera would pan to Ryan Day, I mean, the man's, the man's butt cheeks were clenched so hard in, ner- in nervousness. I mean, even like... uh you know, J.J. McCarthy couldn't fit a ball into that window there. I was surprised he didn't <laughs> herniate a disc. He was, it was, it was preposterous. And, you know, I, to be honest, I, as nervous as I was during the game, you know, I was jolted with confidence in the pregame when I saw Ryan Day in that, in that circle with his players blowing the whistle and dancing. I don't know if you saw this, but he's kind of like bouncing around, you know, with absolutely negative, negative rhythm and just bouncing around with his players. And, you know, I thought like, I thought to myself, like, this is, this is a coach that's not going to deliver when, when the pressure's ratcheted up. And that's and on the coach's side. Yeah, it's totally. And, no, and I was just going to say, and I, on the, on the player side, like, these guys are now legends. Um, I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, rallying after the Zach Zinter injury? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, JJ, like on one sideline, you have the quarterback saying, this is just a football game before the, before the game. JJ McCarthy, you know, certified Buckeye killer said he's, his sole purpose is to, to defeat the Buckeyes. Um, you know, Rod Moore, Ohio guy, three star coming mm-hmm. up with a game winning interception. The list goes on and on. But yeah, as you said, top to bottom, coaches to players, all around emphatic victory. 
It was, it was amazing. And actually the first half of the game I watched from the field. And then the second half I went up to my seats and I was on the Ohio state sideline. I mean, not obviously not within them for obvious reasons, but I was on that side of the field and it was just mainly because it was less crowded and I could see better. And I was so nervous. I had a lot of confidence going to the game. There was part of me that just felt like they were never going to lose. And I do something every week with Ronnie Bell and Jake Moody called predictable picks. And they pick how many points Michigan's going to win by. And in this week's or in last week's predictable picks, Ronnie said, I ain't nervous. And he he was so confident that that was like my rallying cry throughout the week was Ronnie Bell's I ain't nervous with the inflection. Like I tried to practice it. And Will Johnson caught that interception about 10 feet in front of me. And I was like, I don't think I'm nervous either. They're gonna that last minute I was nervous just because you've seen it a million times where a football team cannot score and then they're that last minute they just go marching down the field. And I did turn to my dad and I said, Okay, for the next minute and three seconds, I'm going to need zero talking. Like there is to be no speaking for the next minute and three seconds. But the sidelines were just it was different and you could feel it before the game. And the reality is all the pressure was in Ohio State because if Michigan lost the game. There would have been, well, they didn't have their coach that, you know, it, there's everything that's gone on, all the noise, all, all this pressure was on Ohio State. And for like Ryan Day, who kind of spearheaded this whole, he, they need to be punished now brigade. All of a sudden you wake up on game day and like, you, they need to be punished now so I can win this game. And so what happens if I don't win this game? And we saw what happened. They lost. Completely. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I mean, completely. I mean, he, Ryan Day, like, you know, I, I, it's not a 100% proven, but by all accounts and by any reasonable measure, either he himself or Ohio State as an institution. You're right. I shouldn't say that this brigade. We don't know that for sure. This is conjecture. Yeah, but it, you know what? I'll go there. I'll heavily imply it. Okay. Look, <laughs> I think like, um, you know, a mysterious report that's like fully formed and bound and you know collated doesn't just appear at the NCAA's doorstep by magic. Someone had to do it, and by you know any reasonable mind would would point to you know Michigan's biggest rival, and and you just absolutely know that you know Ryan Day, yeah, just you know the night before the game was probably in front of his bathroom mirror practicing you know the post game monologue that he was going to bust out if Ohio State had won, you know, just like his like little Lou Holtz call out and just, you know, and he probably had like a solid, you know, you know, a tight five minutes there to just go in on Michigan and the the corruption and the cheating and what they did to his family with the allegations that he hired the, the private investigation firm. And guess what? All that poof, uh, it, yeah. it, it, within the blink of a Rod Moore interception, all of that was gone. And the, the beautiful twist of the knife, I don't know if you saw this, was uh, Lou Holtz. Uh, dropping a little video and the oh, last I couple days. Oh yeah, he had that ear to ear grin. Lou Lou was spitting. He probably had his little you know Hennessy and Metamucil in his cup in the background, and the guy was just he was just spitting uh, bars over there. Lou Holtz said, uh, "Yeah, must be tough losing three straight to Michigan. You know, I wouldn't know about that." And uh, good God, I had Brian Day just taking L's from every single side, including now a large contingent of his fan base. And so if if he thought the pressure was on before game day, I mean, the pressure now is, you know, excruciating. And he, it, it's interesting with this. So I did tweet one nice thing about Ryan Day. And actually someone sent it to me today. It made it on like the Buckeye Nation Instagram or something like that. But that, I will say one nice thing, because I think it's important to give credit where credit is due. When Zach Center went into the tunnel on the cart, and his parents were going after him. Ryan Day ran over and gave them well wishes. And I actually do think that was pretty classy because he was in the middle of coaching game. and It was a big game. And you wouldn't have blamed him if he didn't. And I, I thought that was a nice thing. So that was my one nice thing that I will say about Ryan Day. Did you see Roman Wilson's Instagram post after? It was epic. The I, caption, Lewis Holtz. <laughs> Louis Holtz. Yes. He made the Louis Vuitton reference. So Louis Holtz. Yes. I've been I've been just soaking up just like a you know thirsty sponge all of all of the social media reaction, especially the players just, you know, talking their trash. And was that the same post where the Ohio State cornerbacks coach uh responded? There was one there was a, a Michigan oh, player. Oh yeah. There was a Michigan player, I think it was Roman Wilson, who had had posted something and uh 
and and the Ohio State's cornerback coach responded and was like, "You guys won with like a bad call, the bad officiating call for that touchdown in the end zone," and it was all like luck basically. And it was just it was so revealing of the state of the two programs. The fact that Ohio State has gone from this evil empire juggernaut who is just crushing us year after year to now their coaches are crawling to Instagram to just write like completely classless and frankly embarrassing comments is just so revealing. That's embarrassing. That should not be allowed. Like that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. And also it was a touchdown. It was 1000% a touchdown. You can only take so many touchdowns or touchdowns away from Roman Wilson. And we hit the quota (laughs) on Roman Wilson touchdowns being taken away. And that was fully a Roman Wilson touchdown. Uh, I want to have a moment to appreciate the great, the wonderful, the bestest J.J. McCarthy. He's so wonderful. Let's talk about it. He was, <laughs> he's, he is everything you just love to root for in, in a college athlete. Um, just his, his, first of all, his performance on the field, his poise, mm-hmm. um, the fact he's just always calm under fire. I mean, the man literally meditates, you know, before games in the end zone. Like he's like reached this football nirvana. I was actually a fun little story for y'all. I was on one side of the field. All I, I was waiting there for him to come out and meditate. Like I actually got there so early. I wanted to take it in, but also like I wanted to get him meditating. So I'm sitting there and I'm on one end of the field. If you guys are watching this, you can see my hand moments, mo- movements. But if you can't, I'm on one of the field and I keep looking and looking and then I look over and he is meditating on the other end of the field. I but like my 40 time to get over there for him meditating, like I might be able to go to the combine. I got over there so fast. I was like, I cannot miss this moment. But he does. He just sits there. There's all this stuff going on around him. There's music. There's all these people. And he sits there and meditates. It's un- it's incredible. It is. And it sounds hokey, but you really see it translate into the game. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that he just buzzed that ball right by, you know, number 25, the linebacker's ear um, mm-hmm. for, for that touchdown in like the tightest of windows. Um, the other, the, the two other throws that really stuck out to me was when he was, you know, drifting, like rolling out to the sideline and hit Cornelius Johnson as Cornelius Johnson was falling out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And then, and then on top of that, um, the one where he threw across his body, um, all the way to the middle of the field, you know, these are throws that co- probably make coaches sometimes tear their hair out if it's just a standard conventional quarterback. But when it's JJ McCarthy, it's just, I mean, it's lightning in a bottle and he, and that's just on the field and off the field. Like what a great story. The fact that he was passed up by Ryan day um, mm-hmm. for Kyle McCord, by the way. And he grew up a Buckeye fan and he was like, now I'm, I'm transforming myself into the Buckeye killer. And mm-hmm. he, that's what he is. And if, if he were to leave Michigan after this year, he, like several other players cemented their legacy in the chapter of, you know, Michigan's history as, as just one of the greats. Absolutely. And when you talk about off the field also, like he and Blake Corum do so many wonderful things in the community. And Blake Corum, as we know, uses NIL money to deliver turkeys for Thanksgiving and Ypsilanti. He and JJ McCarthy, I believe December 9th, Michigan people are doing a toy drive. I want to say it's either at Briarwood or Somerset Mall. So look it up so we have the right the right place. But they're going to do photos with people. You bring a toy. And JJ, for a lot of the NIL he raised, he gave half of it to his O-line. Like He's actually a really good guy. And it's not hokey cheesiness. And if it is, I don't want to know about it, but I really don't think it is. It's just I think who he is. And that's really nice. He also, if you called Central Casting and you were like, I need a quarterback, they could send you JJ McCarthy. But if you also called Central Casting and you're like, change your mind, I need the leader of a boy band, they also could send JJ McCarthy. <laughs> Very versatile, young man. <laughs> he is. He is. He is. He's got that like Disney Channel look of like the the all American uh, quarterback. Um, and, and, you know what? Like, it's just a great story. And yeah, these guys, it, you can really tell just from their press conferences and the way they handle themselves off the field. They're, they're really genuine and it makes it easy to root for and, and fun to root for, frankly. So, um, it's kind of that human element that you don't always see in professional sports. You don't always see it in other sports, but it's like, it's just what makes college athletics so special. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's just a, such a fun game to watch. It is. It's such a fun game to watch. And it's funny as we're talking about this, I think about how all the other fans from all these other programs would 
be like, you guys are so ridiculous and they're not, they can't be that great, but that just goes to Michigan versus everybody. So Michigan versus everybody heads to Indianapolis. Do you like my segue that I did there? I love it. America's team. America's team. team. (laughs) So my friend made a good point. Can we be America's team and Michigan versus everybody at the same time? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can't you know be. What? I'm, I'm really still totally. I'm willing to look right past that hypocrisy. I am too, mainly because whatever Jim Harbaugh says, I pretty much go with. And if he says it, it must be true. So America's team moves on to Indianapolis this weekend to go on, and Iowa is now the everybody in Michigan versus everybody. Big Ten Championship, I think we're all just waiting and hoping for the win if for no other reason than to have to see Tony Petiti give Jim Harbaugh the Big Ten Championship trophy. That is going to just be a louvable. Talk about a hanging in the louvable. I've made the louvre into a, I don't even know what I did with that, but it's going to be a louvable moment. But <laughs> let's talk about the game for a second. You know, Will Johnson goes out of the Ohio State game flare-up of a lower leg injury. He said he will see how the week goes, uh, hoping that he can play. If he can't, very strong defense. I assume that moves Mikey Samuels still to the outside. I like it better when Mikey Samuels still can play nickel because he does it so incredibly well. But that would move him to the outside. They'll obviously be without Zach Zinter, but this is a game that Michigan should win. Iowa's got an incredible defense, but they have very little offense. Definitely, definitely. And, and I mean, it is a little bit of a drop off uh, in terms of like emotion and anticipation. I mean, just going from the game to mm-hmm. Iowa. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're pulling out of the Gucci store and you're going straight to TJ Maxx. I mean, don't get me wrong. TJ Maxx is awesome. Great value. Great selection. <laughs> um, super solid. Uh, you know, great clearance I rack. You meant that it was going out of the Louis Vuitton store. I mean, if we're going to go on theme, okay, I think that's out better. Of Louis My, yeah, store to TJ Maxx. Yeah, you're going from Louis to TJ. And, you know, there's always something wrong. Like the the items there, there's always like there's like an extra pocket sewn on it, or like a missing button, <laughs> and that's why they're you know they're slightly irregular. Or they're you know fifty percent off, and that's kind of Iowa. You know, it, it's Iowa's just like super solid, but you know, they with Cooper DeGene out. They don't have any real like star players. They're mm-hmm. super well coached, especially on the defensive side. But like, unfortunately, this is just for, for for unfortunately for Iowa. When you roll out like talent and talent, like Michigan, Michigan should just overwhelm them on, on both sides of the ball. And I think like yeah, the obviously like you know Zinter's out for the season. Um, Will Johnson's going to be hobbled. Um, you know, Michigan's facing some you know injury concerns on their side. But I really think like we can roll in some of our depth in this game, hopefully mm-hmm. get to an early and, and large uh, margin and and kind of rest folks up because um, that extra month uh, after this game before before the CFP, um, you know, touch wood that we, you know, we were able to get past Iowa will be great to get everyone, uh, you know, super healthy, like, you know, JJ's ankle or, or whatever lower leg injury he's dealing with. Um you know, obviously, Will Johnson and the rest of the team. So I think, you know, in, in my mind, uh, I'm still in awe that Iowa's coming to this game like 10 and 2. Like that, it just boggles my mind that well, they've they, somehow. They have, they have an incredible <laughs> defense. They really, I mean, really, they have an absolutely incredible defense. And that is why they are coming to this game 10 and 2. Yeah. But I don't and you know, there's an offense like Michigan's yet because they didn't play Ohio State, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. And, you know, I just, I guess there's always like that, the neurotic, you know, 1% of me that's always like paranoid and nervous. And right. I guess if, if you're going to take that, you know, that perspective in this game, I guess you could say Iowa's best, you know, opportunity and chances, they really have absolutely nothing to lose. Like they can just do like pull out all the tricks, all, all of the, the stuff out of the bag. Now, I don't think Kurt Ferentz is the one who, who would do that, but, you know, there is some precedent for it. I remember when Lloyd Carr uh, was leaving Michigan and we had, and it was his last game. He was coaching in uh, the bowl game against Florida, Tim Tebow's Florida Gators. And I think this mm-hmm. was right before we're trying to take over. And he just kind of like brought in a whole new offense, shotgun spread, uh, like light it up. Um, and, you know, we won that game and it was, it was pretty incredible. And, 
Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't see Kirk Ferentz uh, <laughs> doing something like that, but um, that's always the, the, the fear you come into one of these types of games is he'll just kind of like throw caution into the wind and just, uh, you know, pull, pull all the stops out. And he might, but that doesn't mean it'll work. And I think the other fear that we've dealt with the last couple of years is after the Ohio State game is it'll let down. However, we've seen them the last two years after the Ohio State game be really focused. And I think this team, this team especially, not that the other teams didn't, but this team 144 really feels that it has something to prove and that this is their year for the title. And they're not going to let anything get in their way. So I hope that I'm right about that. And so they don't let the Iowa Hawkeyes get in their way. But I agree with you. It'd be great if they could get out to a nice early lead um, and kind of just roll would be lovely. And then they'll have a month to just heal up and and rest up and all of the things. But it should be exciting. I, I think the most exciting thing really is going to be, assuming they win, is the trophy presentation. That is the moment that oh, everybody... Yeah. Oh, so sweet. And you just know Tony Petiti right now is like on chat GBT, just asking, asking it desperately. Please give me 10 excuses to miss, a, you know, a Big Ten championship game. He didn't go game. the other day, right? He didn't go to the Michigan no, Ohio was, I don't, the last report I said is he was not there. And so I'm sure, you know, he's probably, you know, taking like, you know, COVID test every six hours, like hoping, hoping it's a positive or whatever, whatever excuse he's looking for to, to just get out of handing Jim Harbaugh uh, that piece of hardware. But, oh, my God, that would be so beautiful to see. Oh, my gosh, it'd be amazing. I mean, I obviously want them to win because I want them to win for all the reasons I would normally want them to win. But that is just one extra moment that is would just be should it happen, and I believe that it will, I am manifesting it right now. Should it happen, it's going to be just, it's just going to be beautiful. And let's talk about Jim Harbaugh, our coach, our guy. We've missed him. The Sharon again is a legend, full on legend, and was really incredible. And what, actually, I want to go back to something you said earlier. How you said the Ohio, during the Ohio State game, Sharon Moore was in his bag, and he really was. And People had said to me before the game, do you think they're going to let J.J. throw? It feels like they've been conservative. And my feeling on that was they had two games where it was like, do what you need to do to survive. We can win these games by being somewhat conservative. He wasn't always conservative. There was that J.J. run in the Penn State game that I think was on, was that fourth and eight or third? I mean, mean, he wasn't always conservative. What he needed to be, he was very aggressive. But at the end of the day, it was do what we need to do to survive these two games. Let's not put too much pressure on JJ's lower leg. And they did it. They did what they needed to do. And then he was very much in his bag. I mean, it was just, it really was an incredibly coached game. And that in itself should be commended. Yeah, it was. It was. And it's so comforting to know that, you know, regardless of what happens to Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, whether he decides to, to finally take the plunge and, and return to the NFL no, or, or whatever. Please don't go. Jim. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But but it is comforting to know that we have like a dynamite, rock solid, mm-hmm. you know, head coaching candidate on staff in Sharon Moore. It, it's 100%. I mean, when you think of what he had to do, you look at just the Penn State game 20 hours before. I mean, when you think of all the craziness of the last few weeks, like think of the tarmac meeting and... Bet and how bet has become part of the vernacular. I wore yesterday up to 49ers practice. I wore my sweatshirt that says bet team 144. So badly. It. it was, it's just so good. And I mean, just everything that's happened, it's, it's really incredible. It's like you couldn't have scripted it, really. You really could not have scripted it. But listen, Michigan versus everybody, it's how we roll. Welcome to the circus, people. It, it is. <laughs> It is, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the the circus keeps rolling, and we get a Hollywood uh, ending. Yes, let's. And, and part of that Hollywood ending could happen in Hollywood, the semifinal at the Rose Bowl. You know, we start that would be like the penultimate Hollywood ending, and then the final Hollywood <laughs> ending happening in Houston, where all real Hollywood endings happen. A lot of people don't know that Houston is really <laughs> the place for all true Hollywood endings, and Michigan is there to prove it. So exactly. where so you're 20 hours ahead. So I don't think people realize the commitment you have to this Michigan football team. You are 20 hours ahead in Singapore. 
that's amazing. So where will you watch and what time will the game be on where you are? Okay, so I'm, I actually luck out from now on out because the the the, the games from, from here on out should be evening games, including the Big Ten right. Championship. So that's a nice, that's a little nice 9, 9 a.m. Uh, start uh, for, for me here in Singapore on Sunday okay. morning. The, it's oh. those noon games that have been crushing me. The Ohio State game, you know, kicked off at uh, 1 a.m. local time up until 5 a.m. You know, I have two small kids, so I maybe got two hours of sleep before they were, you know, yanking my eyelids open. You think, Dad, mm-hmm. Dad, I wake up. Uh, so uh, those have been rough. But I have to say, shout out Singapore. We have a strong contingent of Michigan fans uh, here. Oh. And there's There are literally dozens of us. And so, yeah, I actually have like a good group of, you know, eight to 10 friends um here who, who are all michigan grads and we get together for the games and we will be this weekend oh so fun so here's a really important question for the ohio state game that started at so what time at 1 a.m your time do you go to sleep and wake up at like 12 30 a.m do you just stay up how do you do that i'm very curious <laughs> it's a great question this time i could not like do a pre-game nap i was just too amped uh, so i went straight through and then you know crashed right after the game um, sometimes I'll try to like do the 8, 8 p.m., you know, get four hours of sleep and wake up and then watch okay. the game. Um, and then the absolute most brutal are the, the, the 3.30 p.m. kickoffs in the U.S. that are mm-hmm. like the 3 a.m. kickoffs here. And in those cases, then I have to like create a very specialized sleep plan where I go to bed at like nine and I get six hours of sleep and I wake up for the game and then I just stay up. But you gotta you gotta make sacrifices for for the teams you follow. You know what? That's true. Look at what Team One Forty Four has done for us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> we can do for them. Well, Raj, this was fun. I'm glad we got to talk to Michigan football. I'm very excited for the game this weekend. Go blue! And please tell everybody where they can find you. You're an amazing follow on Twitter. You are so funny, so clever. Like your tweets, I'm like this guy is. How did, how did you think of that? That was hilarious. So please let everybody know where they can find you. You're too kind. I'm, I'm on Twitter, Internet Raj. Uh, and I also contribute to MGO blog uh, on the weekly you know, punt counterpunt column with my esteemed colleague, Brian McKenzie. And so uh, definitely check out you know MGO blog as well. And uh, Tracy, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Uh, full disclosure, this is my first ever podcast. And so, yeah, thanks. Thanks for giving me the trial run here. No, you did a great job. You're like the J.J. McCarthy of podcasts. Yeah, I think minus the looks, but you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm giving you the J.J. McCarthy of podcasts. <laughs> awesome, Raj. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Go Blue. Go Blue. All right, cheers. All right, guys, if you like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and a super positive review. We are brought to you by Fivo. We are brought to you by Bet Online. You can follow me on Twitter or X at TracyFGSN, on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.